your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 343 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Download the app and join Pilsy and I this Saturday morning. It's going to be an early one, 845, to get in on the conversation. It's interactive radio, Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. Well, draft ranking seasons are well underway. Not only has Scott Wheeler from The Athletic unveiled his final list, but the Elite Prospect Draft Guide is out now. We'll touch on the rankings, how they compare in Wheeler's case to his midterm. There are some big jumpers and even bigger fallers. And we'll tee that up with our conversation with Scott coming up on tomorrow and Friday's show. We also have breaking news out of the Senators organization. We'll get to that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, June 23rd in Pilsy. Another mysterious departure from the Senators organization. You hate to see it. I mean, a guy like Chris Phillips, it looks like he is done with the Senators Community Foundation, which he was a big part of, Ross. And I don't like we're not going to speculate too much on this because not much information has come out. But I think it's fair to say that we can assume that something went wrong here. 315 days later, after the team's extension of their PR, Bruce Garriock wrote, The Big Rig will play a major role for the newly established Senators Community Foundation. And now Ian Mendez this morning. Chris Phillips has confirmed to him that he submitted his resignation from the hockey club. He has declined to comment further. We know what kind of character Chris Phillips has. He's the Senators' all-time leader in games played. He's been a constant member of the community since being selected first overall in the 1996 draft. So, Public perception's immediately going to be on his side. Where do you think could be, without too much speculation, why, 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 why do we have to have another beloved member of the organization leave on less than ideal terms? Yeah, I honestly have no clue. And But I think when you decline to comment why you're leaving as a big part of a charity group, usually that's not good. Because otherwise, Chris Phillips would have made it clear, like, I want to make it clear that like, you know, I want to spend more time with my family or I have other business ventures or I have something else going on. Like usually you make it very clear that you're leaving on good terms and that you support what they're doing still. But the decline to comment is, uh, that's a telling sign. Sometimes saying less can mean more. Yeah, exactly. Since it's not in writing, we don't have anything further We can't really speculate, but unfortunate news to kick off today's show, and that's Chris Phillips has left the organization. Yeah, you don't don't like to see that at all. But, Ross, you know what? I think if the Sens PR had any inclination of what they're doing, I'm not sure if they do, but today would be a great day to pump out some good news, right? To try to cover that up. So 
fingers crossed, maybe we hear a Brady extension or some sort of contract gets done today because uh, PR just knows, all right, we got we to gotta cover this up with something else. So let's hope that that's the case and that speeds something good along here. And people online will remember, I forget who posted it initially, but it's almost like a dearly departed photo. You've got Daniel Alfredson twice up there, Tom Anselmi, Mark Stone, the list goes on and on, all kind of looking down from above, even the Senators' original charity foundation. So that folds, they get the new one up, and now they can't keep the head of that. So honestly, it's a comedy of errors here. We hope that it gets figured out because the community foundation itself and all of the charitable work that the SENS organization has done over the years, it's so important. So for management to have this trouble of keeping a consistency among the relationship between who is running the foundation and who is benefiting from the charitable work, it's got to stop. You got to figure out something with longevity and consistency to help these good people who are doing God's work, really. Yeah, and I think that's the most frustrating part, Ross. Like, we're not talking about uh, Chris Phillips being a hockey advisor and him leaving or something to do with the team or the business. We're talking about someone who's went out of their way. He's a retired hockey player. He could just be golfing all day or working on his beer. And, (laughs) And he's out here grinding to help the community. And now he's, again, we're just assuming he's felt that it's no longer worth his time or he doesn't align with what the Senators Community Foundation is doing. And now he's going to leave. And the people that that hurts the most, Ross, are the people that are in need, the people that need these community uh, charities to help them live better lives, help them go through struggles, help them um, achieve better opportunities, all these kinds of things. And those are the people that it hurts when a guy that has a platform and kind of a, a voice and a reputation like Chris Phillips does in the community of Ottawa leaves as a major part of their executives or whatever his title was. So I think that's where it's really hard because it's not, it's not a hockey team. It's not an entertainment. It's not a business that's affected. It's, people that are in need how about the king of puns james wood coming in with the hammer chris phillips probably has big rig grats about working with eugene malnick <laughs> so yeah you leave it to him for the for the puns there but again not too much more speculation we can do but as a former first round pick leaves the organization albeit in an alumni role there's going to be another pick added here coming up not only 10th overall ottawa with four picks in the top 75 three in the top 42 so naturally We're enthusiastically waiting all of the draft rankings to come out. Still waiting for the TSN guys, Craig Button and Bob McKenzie, to really set the stage for how the draft could look because their rankings are more about what the teams are thinking. But when guys like Wheeler, Prawnman, the Elite Prospects Draft Guide, they don't care as much about the perception of the team's management and scouting staff. This is who they believe are the best players. So naturally... Elite prospects going against the grain. They have Matthew Beneers as the top pick in this draft. Owen Power at number three. How much of a surprise is that to you? It's not a massive surprise for me because, again, like you can kind of have tears to this. Like I'm sure a lot of them would say if Owen Power was selected first overall, it's not like you got to burn the whole draft list down and Buffalo's ruined their rebuild, right? So I think I think it's just more a, a matter of fact that uh, there are certain things they liked about Veneers better, and maybe they felt that Owen Power wasn't that 
totally generational talent defenseman. But I think they're definitely saying that he's still a number one guy. Like, he's still the top defenseman in the draft. So I think it's interesting when you see some flipping around of the rankings here. And I'm so excited to dive deep into elite prospects. That's probably one of the ones we weigh heavily on because there's just so much information. Like, if you have the elite prospects subscription and you got the draft guide, it's let, let me quickly check here. It's so many pages, it's ridiculous. Yeah, 443 well, pages wow. of notes on these prospects, Ross. So that's definitely something worth your time to check out. Yeah, I will say, however, that going off their 2020 draft guide, if you're a Sens fan and you feel good about that 2020 draft class, maybe you're taking elite prospects with a grain of salt. Hell, one of their major writers, I believe the editor of their website, laughed at the Ridley Gregg pick, thought it was the biggest joke going. They had Tim Stutzler ranked seventh in their rankings. They had Tyler Clevin as a do not draft. So, again, that's why we have 10 different scouting entities making up our draft rankings. We take a lot of traditionalists and analytics folks and mix it all together, trying to get the best balance that we possibly can. So for me, that's a kind of a word of caution when you're looking at elite prospects. Cause I think any sense fan will look at Tim Stutzla's initial outing as a rookie and what he can bring in the future and say, there's no chance six guys in the 2020 draft are going to end up having better careers. The one thing they also do is they'll put a caveat in the description. So you're like, Oh, but he could be better. And it's like, okay. But at the same time, they're trying to analyze a 17-year-old hockey player. So there's so much room for growth. That's what makes the draft so fun is that basis of hope and how will these players develop because none of them have reached the potential that they will be. One of those boomer bust prospects, I don't know where he is on elite prospects just yet. Pulling that right up. He's down at number 10. Oh, fancy that spot. Kent Johnson is at number two on Scott Wheeler's list. Did that surprise you even more than Owen Power being three with elite prospects? Yeah, that one surprised me because I'm a big Kent Johnson fan. I think the ability he has and the ceiling that he has is is through, is through the roof. The ceiling is through the roof. I don't know how much sense that makes, but, uh, um, but he, he really is a really talented guy. So for, if Kent Johnson was available at number 10, Ross, that would be my number one pick. Like I, I don't really have like any thoughts that he's going to be available there. So he wasn't really in our realm of five guys we talked about yesterday, but it's this is well, the thing. He went this the is, pick. He went the pick before in our mock draft, right? Vancouver taking the hometown kit. Yep, exactly, exactly. So, and and people need to understand we did that uh, mock draft with the teams in mind. Like that's not our rankings one through ten. That's our rankings with if we were these GMs in this position, which player would we take for this team? So Only that's important problem, to keep in mind too. I, I think McTavish is going to go six to to Red Wings. I've talked myself into that. Yeah, and that's the thing. McTavish, probably not going to be available for the Sens either. So that was another... Uh, but who knows? Because like then, Ross, you start thinking, so we had Johnson and McTavish 9 and 10. So that means two guys that we had in the top eight are now available for the right. Sens at, at 10. Well, depending on who Vancouver picks, right? So there's so many flip-flopping that you could do. Because like if Johnson and McTavish aren't available, that means guys like... Uh, I don't know, Brant, Brant Clark or Edvidson, or even though we, the Sens, if they took Edvidson as a left shot defenseman. Stop. Oh boy. Assault. <laughs> but, 
but you know what I mean? Like that, that just goes to show that sure, maybe they, they're higher in other lists, but then that bumps some talented guys down the list as well. So I think being number 10 is so exciting. Like I love that. Like, obviously you want to be higher. It's better. There's more value, but being at 10 is just so interesting for us to kind of go back and forth on what can happen in between that. Yeah, just going through Scott Wheeler's top 10, we had already written down his mid-season ranking. So I, th- I found it very interesting to see the movement between these. Now, we really respect Scott's opinion. He's a friend of the show, been on twice with us. It'll be the third time tomorrow and Friday. And one stood out more than others. We knew McTavish was going to jump up from 17. He jumped up to 10 on Wheeler's list. But Chaz Lucius, another guy who's on the radar around the 10 spot, went all the way up to number eight from 13. So he rose the most of anyone in the top 20. He's up five spots. So that's another really interesting piece for Ottawa because it looks like he's the kind of guy, much like McTavish, who will be a natural center. Kent Johnson, I think more than likely will, but I could see him move to the wing as well. And then what do you do? Because Kent Johnson is a left shot as well. So now you're in the same position that you were last year with Stutzla. That's somewhere where I think a team's going to have to make a very interesting decision. But Shaz Lucius right there as well in the top 10 on Wheeler's list. Yep, exactly. So there's so many different options and different kind of avenues you can take to deciding which of those kind of five guys is going to work best for your team. And if you're the sense, you you have a lot of options, which is going to be really exciting on draft day. One of our most popular episodes last year was so many options at fifth overall. If we did one for so many options at 10th overall, we'd have to do a four-parter because there are literally so many different combinations and options that Ottawa can achieve. So we're going to be all over that. We'll ask Scott as well, who is he banging on the table for in the second round? If he was at the Sens draft table, take this guy with one of your two second round picks. So all that coming up tomorrow, you can bet on that. And you can also bet on us being in the locker room this weekend now locker room is a new addition to spotify so it's now under the spotify green room so if you already have the locker room app just update it it'll automatically take care of that for you or search in your app store the spotify green room now what is it it's a live audio only sports talk platform that's free to download and to use it's perfect for watch parties debates post-game breakdowns you can be sure that we'll have some sort of spotify green room around draft time so why not Download it now and be ready for when that drops with Pillsy and I. You can follow Brandon Piller at Ross Levitan as well on the Spotify Green Room. When you do that, you'll get a notification when we go live. This weekend, it'll be 8.45 a.m. on Saturday morning. Get your pot of coffee on if you have any questions regarding the draft, regarding the Ottawa Senators, how the lineup could shake out through this offseason. Just top in the chat or put your hand up and you can talk with us in real time and put us on the spot. We're ready. We're ready. And hope you are too. 8.45 this weekend in the Spotify Green Room. Bring your spiciest takes. It's interactive radio, changing the way we talk sports. Oh, yeah. The Spotify Green Room is awesome, guys. Make sure you get a chance to join in. And you can have your own say, which is great uh, addition to that app. And it's a lot of fun for us too. And, you know, Ross, that's going to be an early morning Spotify Green Room chat. 
I got to head to work right after. How am I going to have the time to get the proper fuel in my body so that I can do 25,000 steps on a summer patio? Well, the best way to do that is to energize with a built bar. You know that's the direction I'm heading. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I love all the flavors. You can get flavors that have nuts, flavors that are nut-free, but one thing you can count on is all the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. None of this hard chewing and toughness. It's gonna be a texture you're gonna enjoy. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The best part about Built Bar is they got everything you want and nothing you don't want. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. For my Pillsy's pick of the day for Built Bar flavors, it's a classic. Let's head over to Coconut. Put the chocolate and the protein with the coconut and mix it all up. What do you get? A delicious protein bar that has 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and a guaranteed delicious flavor. So that's what I'm going with today. So if you want to get your hands on a coconut protein bar from Built Bar, you got to head to BuiltBar.com. And since you're a valued listener of the Locked On Senators podcast, we're going to hook you guys up with a promo code. So type in LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. One more time, guys, go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Make sure you're locked on, Senators, wherever you download your podcast. You can subscribe to us there. Please leave a review. Those go a long, long way. And you can follow us as well on social media, LockedOn.Senators on Instagram and Send Central on Twitter. It was a wild day on Send Twitter yesterday. The trade proposals in full force for Matthew Kachuk. But you said it yesterday, Pilsy. It's mostly a pipe dream, right? There's no chance Matthew Kachuk not only comes to Ottawa, but really fits in to how things are set up right now. You would have to drastically change the core of this team to fit him into your top six. Which I think like 80% of Sens fans are like, do it. Yeah, <laughs> we they're right. Yeah. I, I can understand that because seeing those two on the same team, Brady and Matthew, would be a treat. Every single yeah. shift. There's intensity. Don't get me wrong. We'd love to have Matthew Kachuk on the team, but think rationally long-term. The owners come out. They need a centerman and a top defenseman. They're not going to add another winger who's due for $9 million next year. Yeah, exactly. Especially when they don't like, let's get the Kachuk brother we already have signed and figured out before we start hunting for another Kachuk to have another contract to worry about. That's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. To disclaimer, because I don't want people on Twitter roasting us. Yes, we do want Matthew Kachuk on the sends. However, now maybe is not the time and we, there's bigger priorities. There's bigger fish to fry for the Ottawa Senators at this moment. I've got a big fish that they could fry and Troy Mann, who signed a two-year extension as Belleville Senators head coach during our show yesterday. So if you like the immediate reaction, head over for that. He spoke to the media this morning and one of his topics is extremely interesting for me. The CHL and NHL, they need a new agreement. And Ridley Gregg is in the middle of it because as it stands right now, if the WHL has a season, just like this year, he had to leave the AHL, go back and play in the WHL where he dominated. Troy Mann is hopeful 
that with this new agreement, a player like Ridley Gregg would have the ability next year to play for Belleville. How important would that be for his development as a player? Massive. Like you said it, like he went back to Brandon in the WHL and just dominated. Like it's clear that that is a player. That's an example of a player that isn't benefiting, isn't growing in his hockey development by going back to the WHL because he was making strides in the AHL. And I'm sure Troy Mann would tell you that. And I mean, it's a little biased. There's two sides to the argument, right? Obviously, the WHL is like, well, we have this guy for so long and we want him to be a star so that fans come to the arena, hopefully with COVID um, loosening up here, come to the arena because they want to see Ridley Gregg light it up. They want to see him. uh, uh, Your pause killed me there, Pilsy. You're like, hopefully the fans come to the arena with COVID. (laughs) No, (laughs) Oh, man. They want to see Ridley Gregg throw a questionable hit and then score a hat trick. They want to see the excitement. They want to see all that. Whereas Troy, Troy Mann's saying, look, I just want to have guys available so that I'm not calling the Ottawa 67's reserve list so I can get a starting goaltender for my team tonight in the American Hockey League. So there's two sides to the argument, but I think there needs to be some exceptions to the rules because, yeah, like a guy like Ridley Gregg, and it's not really fair for him that he's caught in the middle of the, these kind of contractual disputes that don't allow him to play in the best spot where he can be playing hockey. Yeah, I think if you're the WHL, I understand as well. But he's already been there for two full seasons, three if you include this past year. But I think Troy Mann's trying to say, if you're a first-round pick, you should have the ability to play in the American Hockey League. At the end of the day, the WHL, OHL, Quebec Major Junior League, They are all developmental leagues. So if the player's best development path is suited for the American Hockey League, it's a detriment to them to make them play. Ridley Gregg had 32 points in 21 games and was plus 17. It was a complete joke for him. Hell, he was having so much fun, he was flinging opponent's sticks up into the third deck. So it just doesn't make sense. They have to figure this out. Now, like I said, I understand the other side of it, But those players are still there when they're 16 and 17. You have two years to market these players. I don't know why you need four. And that's where it stands right now. 18-year-old season, you have to go back. 19-year-old season, you have to go back. That's a long time to play for the same team. Hell, your first contract in the NHL isn't even that long. So why are they forcing these players? Not only are they not allowing them to develop to their fullest ability as a professional, they're not allowing them to make money. If Ridley Gregg was in the American Hockey League this year, I believe his salary would have been $80,000. He still got his signing bonus when he initially got his contract, but that's a lot of money to take out of someone's pocket and force them into a situation where they get, what, $50 a week for gas money? It's ridiculous. Maybe some pizza slices tossed on top there too, Ross. Don't forget about that. Um, But yeah, and that's the thing. Like Right now, it's a black and white rule. I think there needs to be some gray area where you can get together and be like, all right, we, we know you want this player longer in the WHL to attract fans and to increase revenue and all that kind of stuff. That's fair. But we feel he's at a point where he can move on. Like, I think there needs to be an uh, opportunity to have discussions about exceptions to the rule. I don't think every 18 and 19 year old should be able to go to the AHL because not every 18 and 19 year old is ready. And it it doesn't make sense for all of them, but I think some of them are ready and it does make sense. So it's going to be real interesting to see how this turns out because yeah, I think Troy Mann is right. That is a pivotal 
con uh, contract negotiation uh, dispute between the CHL and the NHL slash AHL. Yeah, we'll get more into that as information becomes available. Hell, maybe that's something we'll ask Scott Wheeler his thoughts on. I'm sure he has his opinion. And something else about Scott I want to mention too. He's one of the lucky few who was able to see prospects play this year as he was in the World Junior Bubble. So that'll be fun to pick his brain on that experience as well. I bet he had an amazing time on that, man. I've had an amazing time at Bet Online this spring. I have been all over the Phoenix Suns. I know hockey podcasts, we're talking basketball, but an underdog story like that is impossible not to cheer for. And notice how I didn't mention the underdog story that we're going to get to coming up in the NHL. But I've been raking it in. It's just been a no-brainer. Suns in four guy is what makes a team a destiny. They haven't lost since. So I'm having a ton of fun with that, and I would suggest you do as well, responsibly, of course, at betonline.ag. Here's how you rock in. You go to betonline.ag, sign up for a free account. When you do, put in the promo code Locked On, and automatically 50% of what you deposit will be added to your account. Free play, of course. You put in $200, $100 will be added. You put in 100 bingo, bango, bongo, that's 50 free play dollars. That you can use on Pilsy's Playoff Parlay of the Day. The playoff parlay of the day did not go my way yesterday. These these Montreal Canadiens, they are they're upset machines. Like it's insane what they're able to do to this Vegas Golden Knights team. I mean, hell, Ross, they even made Mark Stone look like a, a terrible player on one shift. Did you see fun. that turnover and then the weak back check? Oh hey, man. Fun fun fact, Eric Branch and Mark Stone both tied in points in the third round of the playoffs <laughs> this year. <laughs> nice nice what a stretch yeah exactly but I, I mean like you don't see Mark Stone playing like that and playing that frustrated he snapped his twig right after along the boards like he was he was visibly upset so I don't know what's going to go on there but I do know that the New York Islanders will not be continuing to upset I think Tampa is going to clean this series up so we're taking Tampa Bay money line at minus 145 and usually I go for the over but I'm sticking to the under here. The goaltending has been pretty decent apart from the 8 nothing uh, beat down in last, last game in this series. But I think things are going to tighten up here. The Islanders know their season's on the line. This is a team that can play desperate, tough hockey. So I'm taking the under of 5 at plus 118. So Pillsy's playoff parlay of the day is Tampa Bay Moneyline and the under. Let's put 10 bucks into that parlay. And we're going to get 26.83, a little more risk involved here. So a little more boost here to make up for last night's loss. So do that today. Pillsy's playoff parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action. And don't forget the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, Pillsy, before we touch on that Vegas Montreal pivotal game five. It's a great day in Sens history. Yes, today's tough. Chris Phillips leaving. But at the draft in 2001, the Ottawa Senators made a franchise-defining trade. Upset, malcontent captain. Well, at that point, he'd actually been stripped of his captaincy after the full-year holdout. But Alexi Yashin was traded on the draft floor to Mike Milbury and the New York Islanders in exchange for lanky defensemen who had played a hundred and some odd games, had a career high of 11 points, was a combined minus 54 in the two years prior, but somehow 
now 19 years later, Pilsy, he is still in the National Hockey League. I'm talking about Zdeno Chara and the second overall pick in that draft, which they took Jason Spezza. So pretty important day in Sens history. Yeah, and uh, go to The Athletic, read Ian Mendez's article about it. It's really good. Like, I knew there was a lot behind that story, but I didn't fully know the, the background of it, and it's crazy. By the way, I should mention, I think I said 19. It's 20 years ago today, 2001. Nice. Math guy, Ross, on the case here. <laughs> and I think my favorite part of that story, Ross, is I would love to see the faces of the people in the room where Zidane Char's agent is telling them this is going to be a franchise generational talent defenseman. And they're like, have you seen that guy? He looks like a deer that's learning how to walk out there. Like you said, his stats are not very good. And just laughing him out of the room probably when he wanted a big contract. And now look who's laughing. And I think the irony of the New York Islanders saying we need an elite number one centerman. So we'll acquire Yashin and let the Ottawa Senators draft Jason Spezza is, is pretty hilarious too. So thank God that deal happened. Cause like Ian Mendez says in the article, there was no backup plan. If they weren't able to trade Yashin at that point, then they were going to be stuck with them and they had no idea what they were going to do with them. Then his value would have fell through the basement floor. And who knows how this franchise ends up if you don't get two players like Spezza and Zdeno Chara. And let's not forget Bill McCult. Man, Bill McCult. He's the answer to a trivia question. We will have also the answer to yesterday's trivia question, which was, which was replied on the thread in four minutes flat. So shout out coming up later but Alexi Ashton was an awesome player offensively like his numbers stand out in Ottawa the year after the year before he got traded he had 40 goals and 88 points in 82 games but you're right they made the trade at the perfect time Yashin was still great in 0102 his first year with the Islanders 75 points in 78 games 32 goals but then the next year 26 goals the year after 15 goals and at that point Jason Spezza was already on the scene and making an impact right out of the lockout. Well, hell, even before, during the lockout in Binghamton, he won the MVP (laughs) of the American Hockey That team was wild. I think he had 115 points in 70 games. Yeah, they said uh, Chris Neal went down that year. and He had already played like three years in the National Hockey League and was just dummying guys physically. Uh, Brian McGratton, I believe, was on that team as well. That was just an amazing... Everyone was on that team. Chris Kelly, Antoine Vermette, Christoph Schubert. Anton Volchenkov, the list goes on and on with Razor Ray Emery in between the pipes. Yeah, we could do an oral history on that 0405 bingo team. Maybe that's something deeper in the offseason we could get I think into. even Hasek went there. I don't think he played games, but he was down in bingo. Wow. Yeah, well, at least for a conditioning stand or something. Remember, Schubert had the stories yep. of him down in Binghamton. Yeah, go listen to that episode if you haven't already with Christoph Schubert. That guy is a story machine speaking of germans though and christoph schubert it was a bit surprising no german prospects in the top 100 of scott wheeler's rankings pilsy as a proud uh, man with german heritage are, are you nervous like i thought this was the golden age of german prospects i i couldn't believe it honestly like look at the german talent that has been drafted in the last i mean you could stretch back to leon dreisaitl i forget what his draft year was 2014 but like, yeah, so back the set last seven years, there's been so much German talent. And, you know, I wasn't expecting another top 10 German player, but, like, no top 100 guys? That Like, what happened in this birth year that there's just no development? Jeez. Well, three in the top 32 last year, top 33, I should say, 
with uh, Lucas Reichel, who signed his contract with Chicago last week, and then J.J. Paterka as well, who went to Buffalo early, early in the second round. So with those guys coming up, yeah, the, a year off for German hockey, but that's all right. They still got their studs producing at the NHL level and more to come because Maurice Sider's coming over this year and he's going to make an immediate impact with Detroit. Once you make an impact in the NHL, though, that's when you can make noise in the postseason. And last night, the Montreal Canadiens took a 3-2 series lead over the Vegas Golden Knights and get this, Pilsy, which just shows how important the draft is as a whole. Three of their goal scorers were under the age of 21. Our boy, KK. We got Cole Caulfield, who, I mean, at this point, I mean, my take is just looking so bad. But you can't really blame Pinto when he hasn't been able to play. But this Caulfield kid looks like an absolute star, like a goal scorer the likes of Austin Matthews and Alex Ovechkin style. Like, you got to put him in the mix. because, Dude, how he settled that bouncing pass down and put it in the back of the net last night like he'd done it 100 times before and this is the third round of the playoffs against Ross Gold. Levitan a I know. Cole Caulfield supporter I know man. are we gonna cut this I don't no. know about this man I don't know I I mean that's I it takes a man to admit when they're maybe not wrong and I so maybe I'm not a man here because I'm not admitting I'm wrong but I will give credit where it's due this Caulfield kid can absolutely play and then Nick Suzuki really just sticking the middle finger to George McPhee for trading him for Pacioretty he gets a beauty uh, this Canadian... already scored two, though. All right. So, mark it even for tonight. Although, you look at what Vegas was able to accomplish in the first two rounds. There was a list of players I saw on Twitter. I think it was NHL Network. Maybe Jackie Redman tweeting this out. That the list, it's like Mark Stone, a bunch of their other top players. William Carlson. Hell, Vegas only has four goals by forwards in this entire series. So, you look at that as one part. But the certain group of players, all, all solid NHLers, Contributed 25 goals in the first two rounds, none through five games now in the third round. So how much credit are we giving Montreal for being defensively stout and not allowing the Vegas offense to pour on? Or has Vegas just hit a wall? Yeah, I think I think it should go both ways. Definitely Montreal deserves credit. Like we can we can say all we want, but things are clicking for them and and then Eric Stahl got the other goal Ross so like that turns out to be a decent acquisition as well uh, he provides some veteran leadership in that locker room with some of those young guys so like they're really it's coming together for them and it all starts with Carey Price as we know but for Vegas like I don't know about you Ross but I would have stuck with Leonard in that game like after the performance you got from him and this flip-flopping and and the thing is too it's ironic because Look at the formula for teams that have went into the playoffs with Marc-Andre Fleury. Let him get you to the conference slash semifinals and then let the other guy take over. It's like, it's a winning formula. And I feel bad for Marc-Andre Fleury, but I really feel if you had Leonard in that game, not that all those goals were Fleury's fault or they were amazing shots, so not much you can do. But I really thought Leonard was feeling it and he was the right guy to keep going with. And now they got a real dilemma on their hands. Like Pete DeBoer is going to be up all night trying to decide what goalie he's going to start for this next game. Well, they're backs are against the wall it's elimination time and when your back's against the wall you can't get stabbed in the back so maybe whether flurry's in or not alan walsh won't have any ammo for any sort of uh, photoshop ability the game will be in montreal however rumors are and i believe it's confirmed now that the same officiating crew 
from game five will travel to Montreal. So Chris Lee, uh, and by the way, outside of West McCall, you don't want fans to know the name if you're a ref. So Chris Lee, tough times for him. That officiating crew for game three and four in Montreal were just brutal. So it looks like they're going to stick, I believe it was Eric Furlat and Sutherland. I don't know. Scouting the refs will take care of all of that. All we know is that that refing in last night's game was the best we've seen all playoffs because nobody was talking about it. And that's the way it should be. Now, in the other series, going to Nassau Coliseum, Tampa Bay's up 3-2. Do they close it out tonight? Oh, yeah. If you listen to Pilsy's parlay of the day, Tampa closes this one out. But I think it's going to be a tight game. Like, I see, like, a 2-1 overtime game with the lucky bounce or something that's going to end this one. It's going to be it's going to be much tighter. Because after an 8-0 game, like, oh, my God, I don't even want to know what Barry Trotz was like in that locker room after. Usually he's pretty composed, but I bet he was – firing off on all cylinders on these guys because that's just unacceptable. I mean, an 8 nothing game. A lot of those goals, I will admit, were kind of lucky bounces, but Tampa takes care of those. You know, a lucky bounce isn't a lucky bounce for them. It's a goal. It's a puck in the back of the net. So I think it's going to be interesting, but Tampa knows too. If this goes to game seven, whew, that's not a team you want to be up against in a, a one single game elimination knockout. The Islanders can pull anything out of their sleeve and they can make it work. So if you're Tampa, you got to clean this up now, especially when you're looking across at the other series and you're looking like we talked about it, Ross, Colorado versus Vegas in round two, that could have been a Stanley cup finals matchup. And now you don't have to meet either of them. You only have to meet the Kings of the North that everyone thought was a crappy division. And you think you obviously have a major advantage over. So I think if you're Tampa, you got to seize the moment now and know that this is massive, that you can go back to back Stanley cup champions with, and I don't want to call Montreal a weaker opponent, but let's be honest out of all the teams entering the playoffs, if you were the Tampa Bay lightning, you probably would have circled the Montreal Canadians as a team you would want to face in the finals. Yeah. This is a new circumstance for the New York Islanders as well, both in series one against Pittsburgh series two against Boston. They won game six on home ice to win the series. And now they need to win game six on home ice to continue a chance at the Stanley Cup final. So that's going to be an exciting game tonight. We'll break that all down tomorrow. And we'll have Scott Wheeler on the show, prospect writer with The Athletic. Pilsy, before we go, a comment section original says send shirt, but the photo has been found. Come join us, Chris, the cloud say as they open up. Here's a list of people that I can see. There's a few that I don't know by name, but Lyndon Sluage, how'd we forget him? He was... Um, another victim of this gong show internally. You've got Surreal Leader, one of the founding fathers of the organization, sent unapologetically away after heading the fine for a new liver for the owner. You've got Nick Wachowski, although I never really vied with that dude. Remember the communications guy they had come in, Pills? Is he the guy that told Melnick to screw off in a much more profan, uh, profanity-ridden yeah. Uh, way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's him. You've got uh, the captain from the yacht that Melnick's suing has been added recently uh, as well. You've got Eric Carlson. You've got Craig Medaglia, the social. You've got Daniel Alfredson, Mark Stone, Tom Anselmny, Mark Borvietsky, who said he was promised a long-term contract. Julie Turris tweeting, LOL after saying that tourists yeah. wouldn't accept an offer that lol is on there uh the old the chief marketing agent they brought in i'm, I'm blanking on her name apologies there 
Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and then the checks from the Mohawk Casino. And then above it in the clown clouds, Pilsy, the clowns. Well, geez, this is what they're all looking at. Um, uh, our artist rendition of Le Breton Flats Arena and the jet plane where Melnick filed another lawsuit because he wasn't able to pay the pilot on that. So come join us, Chris Phillips. You are in good company among very good people up in those clouds. So glad we could find that at the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if glad we can find that is, is the right term. It's kind of sad and depressing looking back at all these guys. Oh, man, that's a good job done by a sense chirp, though. But uh, well, Ross- no, he, he was very clear to point out. I said shout out to him, and then uh, he replied saying it's well above his Photoshop ability. So he said that was from the comment section at sensechirp.ca, which is uh, the one-stop home for the blogosphere of Ottawa Senators fans. And Leems Martian chiming in, you're going to run out of space in the sky here pretty soon. Yeah, that's not good when uh, the sky is not a big enough <laughs> space to keep all the disappointments. Now, Ross, one more thing before we go. We always like to give a shout-out. So shout-out yes, to Jay you. Quinn, the uh, the Twitter user that had the answer to our trivia question. Gord and Kevin Deneen are the two brothers that have played for the Sens as, uh, as both Senators in the NHL. So that's at J underscore Quinn 24. Shout out to you. Nice job with that trivia. And it was so quick. And it's crazy too, because the Sens have had a lot of one brother when the second one does play in the NHL, but never two. I'm just off top of my head. So without being able to look at any list, M- Milan McCulloch, his brother Zabenik, was playing in Phoenix at the same time. Marion Hosa, his brother Marcel, was playing. Mark, Mark Stone, Stone, his brother Michael Stone, was playing in the NHL. Of course, you have Brady and Matthew Kachuk. You had Nick and Marcus Foligno. Even Peter Schaefer's brother had a taste of NHL. And we got to be on top of that as a goalie-friendly show as well. And I think that we're missing some more. But when you just look at how many sets of brothers, one of them has played for the Ottawa Senators, but not two, you got to think, wow, only one pair. And this isn't at the same time, right? This is just at any time. Although I believe those two were teammates, were they not, Pelzi? Yeah, Ross, the Deneens did both play for the Senators, but they were not even close to playing together at the same time. About six years apart for them. But um, Gord Deneen, he had the Mike Riley year with the Sens, Ross. No goals, but 21 assists. So you got to love that. <laughs> awesome, awesome. One more on the way out. Tom Pyatt, obviously, Senator. Uh, 200 on the dot games. His brother, Taylor Pyatt was an NHLer for a long time. So Ottawa, we know they like bloodlines when they draft, but clearly they've got deeper ties to the bloodlines because blood is thicker than water and I well we've seen it that even though you're the all-times game leader or the second all-times game leader for Ottawa you can still leave the organization anyways we'll be back tomorrow fun ending to the show Pilsy have a great day thanks for listening for Brandon Piller I'm Ross Levitan this has been the Locked On Senators podcast your team every day